What's up, guys? Welcome to the Meeple Minded Podcast, the podcast where we talk all things tabletop gaming. My name is Jason, and today, joining me in the Meeple Minded studio, because we're finally allowed to meet up in person, is our newsman, Paul. How are you doing today, Paul? I'm fine. Give me a hug, you big bear. Oh, yes. No, <laughs> we, don't, we don't do hugs. We don't do hugs here. Thank God there's a table in between us. <laughs> Maybe afterwards. Okay. <laughs> Oh, do you know what? It is so, so good to actually have you here in person, not sat in front of a god-awful computer screen talking over Tinternet. Absolutely. And hopefully I sound a bit better this week. (laughs) Well, you never know. You never know. We are trying a new setup here because I finally get to use the new mixer that I bought. Oh, it's very flash. Lots of buttons on it. Lots of flashy lights too. Yeah, absolutely. All all loads of colours. All these (laughs) colour-coded cables that I've bought as well. It's all psychedelic. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely. So what have you been up to this week? I managed to get in a couple of games of Wingspan with my wife over the weekend. Um, She claims that she's only ever played it once, but I think she was hustling because she absolutely thrashed me. (laughs) (laughs) And she was asking all the odd questions. Well, can I do this or can I do that? I think she knows full bloody well that she can. Oh, yeah, of course. I think I said it a couple of weeks ago. (laughs) She's playing you, man. She's playing you. She's actually a gaming expert. I, I pulled it back in the second game and there was only a few points in it. I actually won that one. And then we uh, resorted to our old uh, friend Quirkle. Oh, yes. And yeah, absolutely thrashed her in that. So, <laughs> the, the world was righted. <laughs> Have you had any games turn up recently? I uh, had Railroad Inc. turn up the other day with all the weird futuristic zombie expansion dice things with it. Yeah, zombies um, and trains. Mm. well run over zombies with trains okay fair yeah, yeah <laughs> and um i also found on the doorstep yesterday didn't never heard a bloody knock at the door was um farting frenchies okay that's the dog game isn't it yeah i'm in the midst of a trifecta of canine themed games <laughs> i had alien puppies turn up a couple of weeks ago got farting frenchies a couple of days ago and we're just waiting on pugs and mugs to fulfill we are indeed yes. and then i shall have a trifecta and they're all pretty similar sized boxes as well so nice. uh, small box games gotta love a small box game so we definitely like here at the meeple minded absolutely so, so uh, yeah those turned up on the doorstep and uh, i've had sort of notifications that things are on the way Oh, and um, Bristol 1350 turned up. Yep, I can say that's uh, that's one of two new games that I've got. Obviously, Bristol 1350 turned up. Uh, we are actually going to be getting a game of that in as, just after we finish recording, as well as uh, my first playthrough of Tidal Blades. So, yeah, that's uh, I can definitely see us doing a podcast about that in a few weeks when I've had a few plays of it. So, looking forward to that. Bristol 1350, again, I have played that. That is definitely going to be something we'll do a podcast on. Uh, very very good game unfortunately my partner didn't fall for the fact that it looked like a book she quite rightly turned around and said you don't read so my my entire plan just fell apart so well that's where i won because my <laughs> wife did believe it was a book <laughs> very nice let's hope she doesn't listen to the podcast oh no no she's found out about it since okay fair enough yeah because <laughs> she tried to read it oh oh dear. yeah oh what's this about <laughs> As dice and bits of cardboard fall out of it. Nice. Oh, oh, I see. <laughs> okay. Another game I had uh, turn up recently, I had um, Sky Joe turn up, which is like a card game. Uh, played it very recently, actually, on Tabletop Simulator after one of our local members said I should try it. Really, really fun game. And again, I think I'm probably going to introduce you guys to it to the, to it this evening. Uh, so I won't spoil it too much for you. I'm intrigued. And... One final game that I had to turn up was Scooby-Doo Escape from Haunted Mansion by USAopoly, or the op as they now go by. It is exactly what you said. It is essentially find your way out of the haunted mansion. But anyway, shall we move on to our main topic of discussion? Because I think this is going to be a big... Yes, let's. Today, we are talking about Scythe. Now, most of the listeners out there probably know what Scythe is. Um, it's a very popular game it's been around for a little while it's a behemoth of a box and uh, yeah i've been wanting to talk about this for a little while um and to find out that you had played it meant i'm able to talk about it yeah i have played it i've played it with both expansions and i've also played rise of fenris the legacy which is the only legacy thing i've ever 
been involved mm. with and that was uh over about three or four weeks when i was off work nice um back in 2019 with a local group up in horsham and um, we played a couple episodes each week so yeah I, i've played most variants and expansions in so you've probably so. got a bit more you've had a bit more mileage with it than i have to be fair because i've only really played the vanilla game but i've played the vanilla game at this point a fair amount of times and again I'll, I'll keep my opinions to the end because there are a few things about it that are good and some that are bad Ooh, spoilers Ooh. <laughs> so we're not getting a 10 out of you this week then there's no 10 this week oh, okay. there we go it's a spoiler i'm not gonna say it. it's it's not a low game so okay. you're good anyway what is scythe for those that don't know scythe is a one to five player science fiction engine building game it was released by stonemire games in 2016 it has a listed playtime of about 90 to 115 minutes and is suitable for ages 14 and up. During this game, players are immersed into an alternative reality in the 1920s. Each player represents a character from one of the five factions of Eastern Europe and are attempting to earn their fortune and claim their faction's stake in the lands around the mysterious factory. Players must conquer territories, enlist new recruits, reap resources, gain villages, build structures, and activate monstrous mechs if they hope to win the game. So that is the game, but how is it played, Paul? So Scythe by Stonemaier Games. As Jason has mentioned, is set in a 1920s alternate history, abundant with resources and a monument only known as the Factory. This world has been ravaged by a great war, and you must take control of your faction in order to lead it to victory. The aim of the game is to accrue the most wealth in the form of coins, which are gained throughout the game and at game end, where your popularity will gain yourself multipliers in three distinct areas, as well as the structure bonus tile that will be dealt out at the start of the game. On with the game itself. Each player is given a random faction board, its associated coloured and miniature playing pieces, together with a random action board and a personal objective card. Your faction board will denote your faction's specific rule-breaking ability, together with your starting popularity rank and a number of related combat cards that you start the game with. Whereas your action board will contain every action your fellow players have, but it will be in a slightly different arrangement, adding to the game's immense replayability value. Players place all related colour pieces onto their action board in their associated spaces, with all cubes going into the upper slots for now. Your plastic mechs are now placed onto your faction board covering the unlockable abilities and your leader and leftover workers are placed onto the game board, your leader into your home base and your workers onto the hexes connected to it. On your turn, you can take any of the four actions across the top of your action board. One stipulation, you can't take the same two actions two turns in a row. First up is the move and gain action, means you can move your units one space each for each movement symbol uncovered, or gather coins for each mark uncovered. Workers can move and carry any number of resources, mechs can carry the workers and any number of resources, and you only count the mech as movement. Your faction leader actually works independently and won't ever ride in a mech, so he moves separately. The bolster action allows you to pay one coin to either bolster your combat power by each bolster symbol uncovered, or to gain combat cards for each card symbol uncovered. Third action is production, and this allows you to pay whatever may be uncovered across the top row in order to produce resources. The resource production is done on the number of hexes that have been revealed where you have a worker and or a mill. One worker will produce one resource, three workers on the same hex will produce three resources. Workers on a hex displaying a worker simply produce another worker, which is taken from your production's action slot. Resources gained this way are always left on the board itself and never return to your playing area, meaning that if your workers move away for any reason without taking the resources with them, then any other player can move in and use them, so be careful. The final main action is trade, so by paying a coin you can place two of any resource onto a hex that you control, or raise your popularity by the number of uncovered heart symbols. Each action board will feature the same secondary bottom row actions, but they will vary in cost and location to their upper action counterparts, but each work the same way by paying the respective uncovered resource symbols you get to take the actions. First up is the deploy action, where you get to pay a number of metal resources in order to deploy one of your mechs out onto the board. 
Some boards also gain you a number of coins equal to what's on show. Any of your reserved mechs can be deployed, gaining you a new faction ability not only for your mechs but for your leader too. These can be the ability to cross rivers, increase your movement range or specific combat advantages. The next action is upgrade. Upgrade allows you to pay the oil cost in order to upgrade one of your top actions. This allows you to remove one of the cubes on a top action and cover up a space on one of your bottom actions. This will make your top actions more efficient while making your bottom action that little bit cheaper. Again, some boards also gain you a number of coins equal to what's on show. The third action is the build action, and so by paying wood, you can build one of your structures from the top actions into a space you control. For each building you manage to build, this will gain you an additional benefit on your top actions, like the tunnel allowing you to traverse the map more quickly, or the monument allowing you to gain a bit more popularity. Any hex with one of your buildings on is owned by you unless it is occupied by an opposing force. Finally is the enlist action. By paying gold you get to enlist one of your coloured cylinders or recruits from your action board and place them up onto your faction board to gain a one-off bonus. It also unlocks an additional ability. If a player to the left or right of you ever takes and pays for the secondary bottom ability that you have an unveiled enlisted action on, you gain the uncovered reward, be it money, combat power, a combat card or popularity. So that covers all the actions available, so here's a bit more information on a few other elements of gameplay. Some of the hexes on the boards have tokens on them, donating a beneficial encounter for the player, but it's only your faction leader that can initiate any encounter. When your leader lands on a hex with an encounter token, you are given an encounter card, with three options to take, show and read aloud the options, and choose one, paying any cost and or gaining any benefit. Another spot on the centre of the board is the infamous factory. By moving your faction's leader onto the space, you gain a new special action to be used as a new available fifth action for yourself. You get to choose from the available factory cards and choose one. The number of factory cards available will be the number of players plus one. All factory cards have a unique top row ability and a movement ability as its secondary bottom action. Lastly, who's up for a bit of combat? So combat is initiated at the end of a player's movement action when your leader and or your mechs have moved into a space with an opposing leader and or mech. Workers will never battle and retreat to their faction's home base whenever invaded by an opposing leader and or a mech. In combat, you use your faction-specific combat dial. The power you can use is your combat power donated on the main game board's combat power track, and you can use up to 7 combat per battle. In addition, you can use a combat card for each of your mechs and or leader involved in the battle. Tuck this card or cards between the dial and the backboard with their value showing. When both players are ready, you reveal your dials. The player with the highest number wins. In a tie, the attacking player is victorious. The losing faction in the battle returns all units on that hex back to their home base, although if they revealed at least one power on their dial, they do receive a combat card as they retreat. The winning faction gains control of the hex and any resources on it. They also gain a star to place on the objective's track for combat, but they lose one popularity for each unit they made retreat due to the battle. In addition, both players lose the amount of power they had dialed in from their combat power track. I think that covers most of the basics so we'll shift on to end game shall we end game is initiated and immediate when a player places their sixth objective star on the objectives track you place stars on the track for any of the following objectives you reach firstly completing all six upgrades on your action board meaning all cubes from the top row are moved to the bottom you have built all four mechs you have built all four buildings you've enlisted all four recruits all your workers are on the board you've won combat and this can be scored twice, you get to reach maximum popularity on the popularity track, you've shown a completed personal objective card, and lastly, if you've managed to reach 16 combat power. You then gain money, adding it to your current pot by referring to the scoring track alongside your popularity marker. You gain a number of coins multiplied by your objective stars, the hexes that you control, and every two resources you currently have on spaces that you control, and the game's structure bonus card. And again, the player with the highest coin total is declared victorious. And that was a not-so-brief introduction to the rules of Scythe. Thank you very much for that, Paul. Was that a bit easier to explain than Wingspan a couple of weeks ago? 
I don't know. I think Scythe is a whole behemoth on its own. <laughs> so uh, I hope it came across clear enough. I'm sure. I'm sure it did. It came across clear enough to me. So, uh, yeah, you can have yourself a little rest because you're going to need it. <laughs> got to prepare, mate. You've got to run to the shed later. I've got other methods of travel now, so <laughs> we, we shall see. Yeah. Okay, so while you're having a little bit of a rest there, Paul, I am going to talk about everything that comes in this game. Prepare yourself. You might want to grab a, one of Ian's famous brews before he does start. Indeed. I think I'm going to need a brew after this. <laughs> Whew. Here we go. Let's talk about what comes in this beast of a game. So, we start off, we have one two-piece foil-embossed game box. Uh, and yeah, the game weighs about four kilograms, so it's it's not a light one. We have one folding mounted game board, two rule books. That's a regular rule book and an autonomous rule book. One quick reference guide, one double-sided achievement sheet, two power dials. Each of those have different artwork. 80 cardboard coins, 8 cardboard resource multiplier tokens, 11 cardboard encounter tokens, 6 bonus tiles, 12 plastic bags, obviously for storage once you've popped all of these tokens, 5 quick start cards, 23 autonomous cards, 5 riverwalk cards, 12 factory cards, 23 objective cards, 28 encounter cards... <laughs> 42 combat cards, 20 custom wooden food tokens, 20 custom wooden metal tokens, 20 custom wooden oil tokens, 20 custom wooden wood tokens. That's just the standard stuff in the game. Now we move on to the faction specific components. <laughs> I told you it was going to be a long one. Yeah. Sip a tea for the working man. Here we go. Faction specific components. And that is for five factions within the game. We have 20 plastic mech miniatures, five different sculpts. Five plastic character miniatures, obviously five different sculpts of those two. Five wooden action token pawns, 30 wooden star tokens, five faction mats, five dual layered player mats, 40 custom wooden worker meeples, five different designs and colors. Five wooden popularity tokens, five wooden power tokens, 20 wooden structure tokens, 20 recruit tokens, and finally, 30 wooden tech cubes. That is probably the biggest amount of components I've ever had to talk about, and now my throat is sore. Uh, yeah, there's a probably half a tree in there, so it's... <laughs> <laughs> That's all the components that, I mean, there's a lot to go through. But yeah, how, how do you feel about the component qualities of, of the stuff that comes in there? Uh, to be honest, I bought the game secondhand mm -hmm. from a friend of mine who'd already upgraded most of the resources. So although I do have all the wooden resources, I also have all the upgraded resin oh, tokens as well. Special, and special the metal stuff. coins, which I do love. <laughs> coins. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, even though the base set comes with all the wooden stuff, they're, they're fantastic. They mm. really are. They, they do what they're meant to do. And they're all different shapes and colours, so it, it it fits on the board well. You mm. don't need the expensive resin tokens. It, it just adds to the aesthetic yeah. of the yeah. board game. The plastic miniatures are fantastic. All the sculpts are great, because each of the characters has their own beast or animal with them. Yeah. So the sculpts on those are fantastic, as are the mechs. Obviously, they're not all to scale. But uh, yeah, each mech is decidedly different for each faction. So, yeah, I mean, for me, um, the components actually make up the first really, really strong point for Scythe. Um, the components are all of the best qualities that I've, to be honest, come to expect from Stonemaier Games uh, at this point. Beautifully crafted miniatures, tokens and artwork found throughout with the miniatures being made of a really high quality plastic that, let's be honest, even hardcore wargamers would, would struggle to pick, pick holes in. In addition to you know the unique faction leader miniatures, as you said, you get those miniatures of the specific mechs, and they are fantastic. Although, let's be honest, we'd all love to have these monstrous <laughs> mechs in 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 scale, but but yeah, I love the fact they're all designed differently. They could have just gone with a standard mech that was the same throughout all the characters, and they didn't. They went for that extra bit of detail, and yeah, I really love that. For me, each of the individual player mats are made so that the pieces fit into the mat itself, you know, being those dual layered ones. Yeah. And that's something that I have always loved within 
games. And I, I respect a lot of the companies that do it because I know the sheer cost from going from a single layer to a double layer. It's not just a case of, oh, it's double the price. It's not. It's actually near on triple. Uh, because you've got to the punch manu- the second sheet. Exactly, yeah. yeah. And, you know, and the manufacturing process behind it just adds so much more money to it. So the fact that they've done that is great. And as I said, Stonemaier, champion quality. Every Stonemaier game I've ever come into contact with, is just, the quality has been amazing. Uh, exactly the same as we were discussing on Wingspan the mm. other week. Yeah, yeah. Fantastic. And I had Red, Red Rising come through the other week. And again, another Stonemaier game. Mm. And the quality components are fantastic. I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing that and, and playing that in person as well. Um, we'll have to make sure we get that to the table pretty soonish because that's high, high <laughs> on the list. Now, it's our favourite thing when it comes to a game. I think when it comes to the components, we love, love, love to talk about the artwork. So let's talk about the artwork as Scythe. What's your opinions? I think it's fantastic. I've seen artwork similar to this in numerous other places. Mm. And it's just that look of a dystopian time. Okay, it's 1920s, but it could just as well be a dystopian future. Yeah, yeah. uh, Where there's people tilling the ground and everything else. But then you've got something monstrous and technological in the background. And you're trying to work out what. Yeah. what there is what it you want to find out what the story is about of why they're still digging in the ground but then they've got these huge mechs wandering around mm. yeah the artwork for me is just another tick in the box uh for the quality components um and it, it brings all of those components together um whilst it may just seem like a map to a lot of people i employ literally anyone to take the time to really study the board, enjoy the nuances and attention to detail installed within every possible millimeter. A unified art style across the cards, boards, just screams absolute perfection. And I'm sure a very, very proud artist when it comes to it. It's just something that I would love to have blown up, stuck in a frame and put up on the wall. don't think my wife would agree, but uh, <laughs> maybe in the man cave. Yes, definitely. We all, we all need a man cave, I think. And I, I think I'd join you in that one in, in the sense of it would be back, a nice backdrop to actually have. Um, do you know what? I, I would be really tempted to try and get a license to actually do a massive print of it and actually have a backdrop of this for for gaming videos and stuff. So, yeah. It's something that might be worth looking at. <laughs> Absolutely. What about how the game is played? How, how do you find the mechanics of it? I mean, do you find that to be good, bad? I mean, every time I've played it, I've always had, especially when you draw randomly your action boards, um, suddenly you've got to adapt to what they're giving you. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, all your top four actions are the same, but then the bottom four actions don't necessarily relate to the top ones mm. as they did do maybe in the past games. Yeah. So you have to adapt pretty quickly and try and work out what you're planning on doing yeah. and how efficiently to be able to do it. So there's a lot of head scratching there. Yeah. But I think if you get into it and get a flow going, it can be very rewarding. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Again, it, it can take... A little longer than I think we uh, mentioned about the timings on the uh, board game. But um, yeah, no, it's certainly one that will keep your head scratching, but you'll feel so fulfilled once things are up and running properly Mm. and you're you're in your flow. Yeah, And if you don't get in your flow, there can be ways to get around that, I suppose. And maybe uh, disrupt what other people are planning on doing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's a sign. Again, I, I said at the outset that this is an engine building game, and it really is. Um, it's all about just building that efficiency engine. Um, it's no secret to anyone. I've I've come to really like engine building games over the past sort of year to two years, um, and this is one of the basically one one of the the games that that put me in that position. Uh, it's one of the first sort of real engine building games that I played. And the replayability of this game is astronomical. Like you said, the fact that you, you draw your player boards randomly, um, you know, combine that with your your combination of characters, you know, the, the just it's crazy replayability. And every game has been different. Like I said, at this point, I've probably played, I don't know, it's got to be above 15 
plays of okay. the game. Um, and we're talking just vanilla, you know, just the base game. And I don't think any game I've had has been the same. And that's great. You know, different character combinations is brilliant. Every single character plays differently. Um, one of my favorite stars, I think uh, the game that really sticks in my mind was actually one of my first, which was about, I was basically playing as Mother Lasher. And my whole thing there was build mechs cheaply, get them out on the board and crush stuff. You know, and it was so much fun, and I won the game. You know, it was really, really good. My first, my first ever game, and I won it, and I was so happy with that. Um, the game mechanics are fantastic, as you said. They are pretty lenient. They obviously do lean you more towards creating that efficiency engine, but if you don't, or you're not experienced in doing it, or you fail to create the efficiency engine, the game will also steer you through so that you're not just completely demolished by everyone else Absolutely. on the board. Yeah. So again, sign of a top quality game, and it's again sign of stone stone my games. It, they just do a fantastic job. I can't I can't fault it. Yeah, I, I mean, when anybody comes to the end of a stone my game, there's usually very little difference in points. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. Some of the the, the characters are harder to play, but I like that because some of them are easier, some of them are harder, some of them are in in between. You know, maybe you might not find a character that you particularly like, but you might find one that you do. Um, like I said, I, I, I have very fond memories of, of playing with Russian. And that particular time I drew the the one that would enable me to get really cheap mechs. So that worked to my playstyle perfectly. So, yeah. Well, let's move on to the final thoughts. Let's uh, let, let, let's get on there because we're, we're, we're creaming all over this game. And I, I do want to point out that when we get to my section of this, it's not all sunshine and daisies. <laughs> but I'll let Paul go first. Okay, well, vanilla-wise, it's fantastic. I will sit and play it numerous occasions. I do have it on Steam as well, so I will sit and play on it with the uh, Ultima occasionally. It's certainly high up on my list, and it certainly won't be leaving my collection anytime soon. Yeah, all good from me. Good, good. Okay, well, now it's on to me. <laughs> I've got a few things to say. Uh, most of it is good, but there is some bad. Uh, and I say bad, it, it, that's a matter of opinion. You're being nitpicky again. I'm, 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 <laughs> I'm not necessarily being nitpicky, but I'm, I'm just highlighting a potential issue. So, yeah, at this point, I have played this game at a variety of player counts. You know, I, I've played it with the lower player counts. I've played it, with, played it with the higher player counts, never the extreme high player counts of seven and eight. But, you know, I've played it with the full five. And... Yeah, I've also played with a nice variety of the factions and playables. I can safely say at this point, it has become one of my favourite games. And I do not personally own this game, uh, but that's just purely because my main gaming group, it's not really their their bag. Uh, but I do also have other gaming groups that I'm part of, which it really is their bag. So I, I get to play it, which I'm really happy about. Uh, obviously, you yourself own it, so I now know I've got another person I can play this game with. Yeah, as I've already said, Scythe has a monstrous size tick. It's a Scythe box size tick on the replayability aspect. And that's even before you buy the legendary box. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, replayability, everyone knows me now. That is really high on my list. You know, that's a must that a game has, uh, especially when it costs what it does. Um I mean, I can't remember what the RRP of this is. It's about 90-something like that, is it? It's close I'll, to I'll put it between 70 and 90, I think. Yeah, it, it's it's close to... It's it's upwards towards the £100 mark. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, it's not a cheap game, uh, but well worth it. I'm just saying that now, well worth it. I like the fact that there's a multitude of ways that you can score um, and multitude of ways that you can win. You know, you can win by just stockpiling resources you can win by being a dominant military powerhouse you can you know just flood the board and go for area control you know there's multiple ways you can win and i absolutely love that and they're each as achievable as each other however that does lend me to uh, my potential negative of the game i have played this game with experienced and quote-unquote noobs when playing with experienced players the game has pretty minimal downtime. Um, they all know what they're doing. They're all planning their turns ahead of, of, of what's going on. So by the time it gets back around to them, they know exactly what they want to do. They go ahead and do it. 
Um, the game also helps with this in the sense of those two actions that you can do on your player board. While the top one does interfere with the board itself, the bottom half of it doesn't. So experienced players know that when a player is doing the bottom half, the next player can actually start and it won't affect their turn. So it just speeds the process up a bit. That's pretty good. But that's experienced players. New players to the game, not so much. Uh, and I I am one of those new players, although I've played it a fair few times. I'm still learning the game. You know, there's so much to learn in this game. And that's where things get a little bit difficult because new players want, will obviously take a bit longer to, to try and learn these things. And chances are they've probably not planned their, their turn out when they get back around. So when it gets back to them, they're going to do all of their thought process right then and there which takes that downtime from maybe two, three, maybe four minutes, takes it up to 10. But that's 10 each round, at which point the game time just jumps and jumps and jumps. And that's per new player. You know, so this was one of the things I was going to say. I employ everyone to play this game and please get new players into this game. My recommendation of it, though, is... Don't load yourself up with just new players. Um, you want a nice equal amount, if you can, of experienced and new players for this game, because that way it just it, you know, although it's going to increase the game time a little bit, it's not going absolutely crazy. So that moves me on to the original thing I said at the start of the average game time being 90 minutes to 115 minutes. I mean, whenever I look at a game, I usually add on half an hour anyway for the most part, if people are learning the game. With this one, I'm not even sure extra half an hour would be enough. Yeah, I can see a point there. So if you're playing with new players, this is not a 90-minute game. This is not a 115-minute game. You know, you're looking at a 145-minute game. Yeah, I'm I'm going two to three hours, yeah. And we're talking new new players. You know, if you're experienced players, then yeah, you can knock this out in, in 90 minutes. No problem. When I've been playing recently with the experienced players, we've knocked it out in an hour. So it's doable. It is doable when all the players know what they're doing. But yeah, just bear that in mind. If you are playing with new players, you're going to be adding on 10 minutes per turn for that player. Granted, as the game goes on, their their time might get a bit shorter because they'll get used to the game. But you've got to give people a chance to get used to the game. That's my one and only negative, really, when it comes to Scythe. Um, Because the quality is amazing. The game is amazing. Just have to bear that in mind you know it's not all about experienced players overall scythe is a challenging and enjoyable game with every single player i've had uh, each game seems to bring something new to the table and i right at this point i don't think i have seen everything that scythe has to offer and i've not in i've not even touched the expansions yet so that really does should tell you how worthy this game is it's really really good it's going to be a high one for me it's going to be a high ranking for me, but I'm going to let Paul go first. What's your Meeple rating out of 10 for Scythe? It's a very solid nine. Yes. Um, if you, again, if you're adding expansions in, it might push it to nine and a half. Ooh, very nice. Um, Wind Gambit, especially just adding in those airships. Apart from looking fantastic on the board alongside the mechs, yep. they certainly add a new fresh mechanic to it as well. Nice. Um, so yeah nine for the vanilla box uh, nine and a half up top um i am also going to come in at a nine out of ten so it's actually slightly less than what i gave wingspan and i really toyed with this for a little while it was either going to be a nine or a nine and a half um the the point five or a whole one is just purely based on that out, uh, you know, if you're not playing with experienced players, the downtime is 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 long. It it can be long, um, and the I know a lot of people that lose interest very quickly. So that would be a real bad a bad sign, and it would not put them in a, it wouldn't put the game in a good light in their eyes. Yeah, it's certainly not something I'd introduce to a new. Oh no, no. Um, I this is for me. This is definitely slap bang in the middle of medium to heavyweight game this is not a lightweight game it's not gateway you know if you are brand new to gaming this is not the game for you right now work up to it it's worth the wait 
But anyway, guys, let's hear your opinions about Scythe. This is one I'm, again, very much looking forward to. I'm interested to see what our listeners have to say about it. Is it a game that you like? Do you think that our ratings are a bit... Well, are they wrong? Are we right? I think we're pretty right. We'd love to hear your opinions. You can let us know on any of the social media websites or on our Discord. Links to all of those can be found in the podcast description. But now it's time to hand over to Paul in the future in the news shed. Time to get your skates on, Paul. Well, I don't need skates this week. I'm using a Star Trek transport app. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Beam me up, Brian. expected now were you it's called teleportation certainly a bit more portable than that stargate i'm trying to build and transforming as i did last week hasn't half left me with a bad back you know i'm still filling in free and don't you yeah well i've just had a good old chat with jason about scythe i suppose we could introduce ourselves as a new faction but what would we call ourselves Deconia. Sounds good to me. You can just see the leader miniature now. Me, a slightly rotund, regal figure with your yellow arse sat beside me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we're certainly not going with huge, mechanised ducks. You're scary enough on your own without having backup. Although... You go and sketch those up and I'll get them sent off to Jamie Stagmire when you're done. And whilst you're doing that, I'm going to get on with this week's news. Prospero Hall has brought us some familiar movie-licensed games to our tables recently in the form of Back to the Future, The Shining and Harry Potter. The latest license to be taken on by the company is the 80s classic The Goonies that will translate the kid-friendly chills and thrills into what sounds like an asymmetric tabletop experience in the form of The Goonies Never Say Die. The Goonies Never Say Die puts two to five characters in the daring shoes of the eponymous group of precocious youths as they work collaboratively to overcome one of the nine narrative adventures that play out on the board. One player will take on the role of the Goondocks Master or GM, who both handles the story and plays the various antagonists the Goonies will encounter along the way. The Goondocks Master will attempt to harry the Goonies using foes, traps and other dangers long enough for an hourglass timer to run out. For their part, the Goonies may begin the adventure not knowing their goal, and most rush to uncover the mystery and unravel the truth. The team of kids win or lose together and must pool their resources and use unique abilities in concert to emerge victorious. Skill checks on equipment and abilities use a pair of dice, and each character's score in three abilities, dexterity, strength and search, to attempt dangerous stunts or feats of daring. Those dice can be upgrading using a special resource called Wishes to change their die from a DA to a D10 or even a D12. The Goondocks Master can also take advantage of this tactic, further empowering the fraternities or that mob of skeleton pirates. Eight plastic miniatures showcase the original cast from Mikey, Chunk and Data to Sloth and the fabled Buccaneer One-Eyed Willy, with an expansion already planned bringing in the older members of the team. The board and its element have been styled piratical and hue closer to an animated cartoon than the live-action film, with bright colours and dark shadows both contrasted against each other to create environments that are spooky in a Halloween decoration fashion. The title is being designed by Prospero Hall, with publishing being handled by Funko Games. The Goonies Never Say Die is currently available in the US for pre-order through Target's online shopping site for $35 or £25. Retail copies for everyone else are expected to arrive sometime this summer. The rising number of older players looking for a non-digital alternative to video games helped the tabletop industry reach new heights last year with a hobby expected to keep growing in 2021. That's according to a new report from market research provider Euromonitor International, which predicted that the global games and puzzles market, which includes board games, tabletop RPGs, trading card games alongside traditional jigsaws will exceed 12.4 
billion dollars in value this year, up from 11.7 billion in 2020 and 10.3 billion in 2019. The prediction follows a booming 12 months for tabletop games despite the impact of COVID-19 on the industry. Players were said to have turned to the game cupboard in droves as a result of having increased free time during lockdown. The growing nostalgia for classic games and the value of board games in the face of economic uncertainty caused by Brexit in the UK. Senior analyst Mark Alonso partially attributed the jump in board game sales, as well as increasing interest in toys such as Lego and action figures during 2020, to a weariness among some older players when it comes to video games and other digital hobbies. Alonso said, Apart from online gaming, some of the biggest catalysts for growth in 2020 were some key categories of traditional toys and games. He went on to add construction toys, action figures and games and puzzles have attracted adult populations in recent years, providing a safe haven as consumers experience digital fatigue. This trend continued throughout the pandemic in 2020, with games and puzzles showing value growth near 20% in both the US and Western European markets. Alonso added that the popularity of tabletop games and other hobbies, sometimes stereotyped as being for children, had also been spurred by the rebuttal of such stigma by older fans. Euromonitor estimated that Hasbro, license holder for Dungeons & Dragons, Magic the Gathering and Monopoly continues to be the biggest games and puzzles company in the world. Not to be outdone, the German manufacturer Ravensburger takes the second place spot, which produces a number of jigsaws and board games including the family classic Labyrinth, acclaimed dice game The Castles of Burgundy and the Disney Villainous series. And Mattel rolls up in third, the maker of the family board games Scrabble, Pictionary and Uno. And this year's nominations for the Spiel des Jahres, Germany's long-running Game of the Year prize, considered by many the highest accolade in the board game industry, have been announced. For more than 40 years, the Spiel des Jahres has awarded a board game selected by a panel of judges that typically represents a combination of being innovative in its gameplay and accessible in its appeal to families. Past winners include Codenames, Catan, Azul, Ticket to Ride and last year's winner, Party Game Pictures. 2021's Spiel des Jahres nominees are The Adventures of Robin Hood, Legends of Andor creator Michael Menzel's inventive co-op game set in a world brought to life by its evolving board, Micro Macro Crime City, Johannes Six celebrated crime puzzler that uses a Where's Wally style fold-out map, and Zombie Teens Evolution the sequel to the legacy game designed by Anik Lobet with younger players in mind. Just missing out and on the recommended list for this year's Spiel de Jar was card game Point Salad, Number Counting Challenge, Bis 20, Competitive Mystery Game, The Key, Sabotage at Lucky Llama Land, the recent remake of co-op train game Switch and Signal, and gem arranging title Chakra. Also announced were the nominations for the 2021 Kenner Spiel de Jahres, or the Expert Game of the Year. This prize was selected by the same jury, but with a greater focus on more complex games than the Spiel de Jahres Family Fair. This year's Kenner Spiel de Jahres shortlist comprises Kingdom Builder, card game Fantasy Realms, from Betrayal at House on the Hill designer Bruce Glasgow, designers Min and Elwin's mixture of deck building and worker placement in Lost Ruins of Arnak, and Paleo, the co-op adventure game set in the Stone Age. Recommended for that category were four more games, including the beginner-friendly spin-off from co-op fantasy epic Gloomhaven, which is Jaws of the Lion, cooperative boss-battling deck-builder Aeon's End, chunky resource management game Barrage, and this year's two-player card battler Rift Force. Lastly, the nominations for this year's Kinderspiel de Jahr were revealed. Judged by a separate panel to the Spiel de Jahr and Kennerspiel, the Children's Game of the Year looks at the best board games for kids from the last year or so. This year's shortlist includes Dragomino, the simplified version of previous Spiel de Jahr winner King Domino, detective game Mia London and the Case of the 625 Scoundrels from Seven Wonders creator Antoine Bowser and co-designer 
Corentine Labrat and Story Tailors, a colourful storytelling game that plays out like an actual book. And titles recommended for the Kinderspiel were To Pick Oi, Inspector Nace, Dreamcatcher, Captain Culler, Mimo Friends, Swip Sheep, and the delightfully titled Hip Hop Hippo. The winners of the 2021 Spiel des Jahres and this year's Kenner Spiel des Jahres will both be announced just before UKGE on July 19th. As usual, the Kinderspiel des Jahres will be awarded around a month earlier on June the 14th. And we're heading on over to crowdfunding now and all three of these are available on Kickstarter now. First up is Prison Architect, Cardboard County Penitentiary by Will Townsend and PSC Games. It's for 1 to 4 players, it takes 90 to 120 minutes, it's for 16 years and older, and ends on Monday, June the 7th. In Prison Architect, Cardboard County Penitentiary, 1 to 4 wardens compete to best ensure the security, health and comfort of their prisoners. With no control over who is sentenced, for what or for how long, your focus is on rehabilitating prisoners ready for their return to society. In each round of the game, you will simultaneously bid on room tiles, staff cards, and policy cards to improve your prison. By carefully placing tiles to maximize their benefits and negate their potentially harmful effects, you can boost your prison's rehabilitative qualities and earn additional budget to spend on new facilities. When intaking prisoners, choose between prisoners with varying security requirements, with higher risk prisoners, offering higher endgame rewards, all while balancing demanding objectives to ensure your prison meets rigorous governmental standards. At the end of the game, the winner is the player who has earned the most victory points by rehabilitating prisoners, caring for unreleased prisoners, completing objectives and meeting conditions on tiles and staff slash policy cards. And there's two pledge levels at the moment. The Warden level for the base game expansion and a Kickstarter exclusive pack is at £60. Or, if you're quick and get in on the Governor pledge, which is also at £60, you get everything already mentioned, including a Steam key for the video game version, but you'll have to be quick because these are in limited number. Next up is a game called Sheep in Disguise by Sheep in Disguise. It's for 2 to 6 players, takes 20 to 45 minutes to play, it's for 10 years and over, and it ends on Friday, June the 18th. In a world full of predators, only the most clever of prey can survive. Unfortunately, sheep aren't exactly known for being clever. So, in an effort to preserve all things fluffy, the wizards and I present to you Sheeps in Disguise. So yeah, we disguised the sheep and it worked wonders. Sheep went by unnoticed and life was good until it wasn't. Unfortunately, the disguises worked a bit too well and we lost the sheep. This sudden shortage of sheep caused an economic collapse and the gold standards was quickly replaced by sheep. Those with sheep became powerful shepherds and those without them become barely recognisable goblins. Yuck. Now, Everyone is scouring the globe to locate and collect the sheep by any means necessary. So buckle your belts and tuck in your underbite, it's about to get a bit weird. The field is made up of three face-up cards in the middle of the table that are laid out at the start of the game. The field will consistently change as players interact with it by using action cards and trading. On each turn, the player will have a wide variety of choices to make. What action cards to use? what order to use them in, when to trade with the field, which sheep to collect and which opponent to target. It's the many choices that players must make each turn that gives them control over their own game, rather than just leaving it to the luck of the draw. Using your cards wisely will mean the difference between last place and victory. Don't forget to keep an eye out on what sheep your opponents are after. Playing actions and tradings does not have to occur in any specific order, but when there's nothing more you'd like to do, draw a card and end your turn. Sheep in Disguise was designed to be a neck and neck battle to the end, so never get discouraged if you fall behind. Just one good turn is all it takes to flip the whole game on its head. So the base pledge level is £15 or $20 for the base game. You get the base game and the Not Safe for Work expansion for £25 or $35. £35 or $49 gets you the base game and the Goblins and Wizards expansion along with a Kickstarter exclusive set. Or you can go all in for everything 
game expansions, the Not Safe for Work set, and Kickstarter exclusive pack for £46 or $65. And lastly up in crowdfunding is Pit Formula by Sandro Tomasetti and Cyber Rhino Games. It's for 1-6 to six players, takes about an hour, it's 14 years and over, and ends on Saturday, June the 19th. In a Formula 1 race, it's not only about the cars and the drivers. Lead a crew of brilliant mechanics who work insanely fast putting the race cars back on the track. Pit Formula is a frenetic board game that will require concentration and fast thinking. During each race, you will be presented by a number of car components to fix. Each component is resolved with a different math operation sum, subtraction, multiplication and division. Every player will resolve these operations simultaneously as they look for the answers on the tokens over the table. Every player will resolve these operations simultaneously as they try to get their cars back on the track. You've got to be freaky fast to resolve your pitting car issues and win the race. And with only one pledge level at £23 or $33, it's certainly not going to break the bank. And we move over to events. Um, remember, the UKGE is still on this year. So if you're planning on heading down, tickets are on sale now from the website and the show's app. Trinity Gaming Cafe and Lewis Board Gaming Group are open on Thursday evenings from 7.30pm until 11.30pm. Down at the Trinity Centre, Arbinger Place, Lewis bn 71QA for all your board gaming needs. It's only £3 a head with a tuck shop on site too. So head on over to their socials to book yourself a space. If you can't get down to Lewis on Thursday, then I'm sure Worthing Board Gamers will be more than happy to welcome you. So head on over to their socials to show them your interest. So Brian, do you have anything you'd like to say before we sign off? I'll take that as a no then. So just say goodbye to these lovely people. And it's a goodbye from me. Look after yourselves, meeples. Stay safe. Keep those dice rolling. The cards shuffling. And we'll be right back here for you next week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, I'm off. Jason, be me back. And I'm back again. Yeah, you are. Yeah, I just don't seem to be able to get rid of you, can I, really? <laughs> well, I am stuck in the corner of the room. Well, this is true. Yeah, I've pinned him up against all my games. It's a good place to be, though. Yeah, to be I, absolutely. I've got a fantastic backdrop. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, thank you very much, guys, for joining us for our conversation about Scythe. It's been an absolute pleasure talking about that game. I've been wanting, scratching, and clawing the itch. But yeah, really, really good game. I can't say a, a, another good thing about it, I don't think. Right, it's time to play some games. So, yeah, we're going to hit up Tidal Blades now. Really looking forward to this game. Thank you very much for joining us, guys. My name has been Jason. And I've been Paul. And you've been listening to the Meeple Minded Podcast. We will see you next week for more tabletop gaming discussions and goodness. Game safe. See you then. Tati bye. Bye.